Hello, thank you for joining us for another episode of Confabulation. Um, my name is Bethel and I'm here today with Beverly and David and we are going to be talking about um, intimate partner violence, um, which is also known as IPV or a lot of people know it as domestic violence too. Um, and before we start, I just want to tell you all and remind you all that we are with our Sisters House, a domestic violence organization that provides advocacy and education for victims and survivors of domestic violence. And if you or anyone you know is experiencing domestic violence, you can call us at 253-383-4275 or visit our website at OurSistersHouse.com. So again, our topic for today is um, IPV, so intimate partner violence. And according to the CDC, IPV is defined as abuse or aggression that occurs in a romantic relationship. Intimate partner refers to both current and former spouses and dating partners. IPV can vary in how often it happens and how severe it is. It can range from one episode of violence that could have lasting impact to chronic and severe episodes over multiple years. IPV can include any of the following types of behavior. And again, this is all from the CDC. So physical violence, which is when a person hurts or tries to hurt a partner by hitting, kicking, or using another type of physical force. Sexual violence, um, when is somebody is forcing or attempting to force a partner to take part in a sex act, sexual touching, or a non-physical sexual event. Um, for example, sexting, when the partner does not or cannot consent. Stalking is another um, type of behavior that's considered IPV, which is um, a pattern of repeated unwanted attention and contact by a partner that causes fear or concern for one's own safety or the safety of someone's, someone close to the victim. And then lastly, psychological aggression, which is the use of verbal and nonverbal communication with the intent to harm another partner mentally or emotionally and slash or to exert control over another partner? Um, I actually did the same uh, study that you did, Bethel, research and um, went on to say that IPV is connected to other forms of, of violence and is related to serious health issues. Um, and economic consequences. So what um, I think what stuck stood out for me is it says that um, IPV can be prevented. So, you know, as we um, go on and move down, we can maybe talk about some of the preventative measures that can be taken early on to um, to prevent it or stop it. So David, you um you worked in you worked for FJC, so you have a little more um experience dealing with IPV than Bethel and I. So um you wanna help us out and shed some light on um IPV. I think that I said IPV, um, what is IPV? So Bethel told us what it is and um, tell us a little bit about who it affects. Well, IPV can affect a lot of people, not just, you know, the people in the relationship, but IPV is usually um, 
whatever the partner might look like, you know, um, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, um, boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, whatever that looks like. Um, and that's intimate partner uh, violence. I mean, intimate partners. So now if, if you're talking in terms of violence, um, it, it's power and control. Ultimately, what um, Bethel was talking about is basically power control and, and there's different areas of how to do so. Um, there's emotional, there's intimidation and there, those different forms of intimidation um there's also using the children against you know the person but the most important thing is that there's power and control and they're going to use whatever way you know they can to have power and control over this person and, and it's not just somebody you know hitting you or something like that but there are many other factors um and it's usually everything but um physical violence um most of the time that's not the part that affects people it's usually the mental um, that really affects people because, you know, um, I, I can raise my fist. If I punched you one time and now I start raising my fist like I'm about to, you might stop whatever you're doing because, you know, now you know that I have the potential to hurt you again. So just that ment that mental barrier or just because if I'm a bigger figure than you and I look like I'm about to hurt you, you know, um, I'm not necessarily doing anything. I'm technically not doing anything wrong by the law in, in most aspects because there's no evidence. I it's really hard to prove, you know, that I'm intimidating you. But um, yeah, so there's different forms of domestic violence and, but it all comes back down to that power and control. How can I, or how can this person, I'm not saying that I am that way, but you know, saying, you know, giving you an example that, you know, power and control is the key factor of why, you know, these people are doing what they're doing and, and there's different forms of it. Yeah, I really appreciated um, those examples you gave, especially emphasizing the mental aspect and just like the abuser craving that control and using that um, in order to further victimize their partner. Um, something that I found was a spreadsheet of um, what goes on in the mind of the abuser. So some of the methods um, that it lists is excuse making, um, blaming, redefining like a, a problem that has happened um, or a scenario, um, obviously lying, assuming, thinking they're above the rules, um, making other people look like fools, minimizing issues, just like playing the victim, um, not accepting criticism or not wanting to hear about what they're doing, like being told that it's not correct. Um, and then like going back to control, like they are like abusers tend to be very like possess possessive too in like through their actions, like they very much like have a very specific goal when they are abusing an intimate partner. Like it's not just for like no reason at all. Like there is it's all rooted in control and like everything that comes with that. Um, and another thing that I found was a spreadsheet that talked about like patterns of abuse. Um, so like things that we heard uh, hear about, so like insulting um, your victim or like your partner, yelling at them, ignoring their ideas and feelings. Um, using like threats against them, isolating them, 
just like making them feel paranoid at all times. And um, like I said, like this is literally all rooted in wanting control, which is really scary. And um, it makes me think a, a little bit more about what Beverly said about how IPV can be prevented, which in my head, I haven't really like heard much about this, but in my head I see as like IPV might be able to be prevented through like education at an early age of what it's like what's okay to do in a relationship and what's not okay to do like we have like for example like we all mostly like go through sex ed when we're younger and like why not at that during that same time or maybe even earlier in my opinion because like you form relationships really early in school with other people and like Mm -hmm. how you treat people at that age you can like continue to keep learning about like forming relationships and how you're supposed to uh, treat people. So I'm like, in my head, like it would make so much sense to just start talking about being a good partner and a good just person overall that has any kind of relationship with anybody from an early age. We learn about, like I said, we learn about sex ed. Mm -hmm. Why not learn about how to respect a partner and how to treat a partner correctly? So, you know, um, Bethel, when you say that um, IPV, domestic violence, kind of still is like taboo. People don't want to talk about it. So with that in mind, you, you know, sex education comes before the education of relationships, right? So, you know, uh, study um, IPV, the C, uh, CDC says IPV start, starts early and continues throughout the lifespan. So if a person is not corrected, that's a norm for them. So they continue it and continue it. Um, so you're right. You know, why can't they, um, why can't it be incorporated into education like they incorporate sex education um, in in every other. Just I I think to your point, we teach English proper English. Why can't we teach proper behavior one to the other, right? So um, yeah, and the um, uh, in statistics by. CDC, they say about 35% of female IPV survivors, there are about 35% female um, IPV survivors and more than 11% of male IPV. So that's pretty high. And, you know, the key is education and awareness. And um, we have got to find the way to stomp the secrecy and the quiet, you know, you know, then let's not talk about it. It's been taboo for years, but it's time to talk about it and bring it out. Yeah. And, and going to that point of, um, you know, domestic violence is taboo. I think it is oftentimes um, not known. I mean, a lot of people don't know what domestic violence really is. Um mm-hmm when working um, uh, over the phones at the Family Justice Center, um, I would get a lot of calls of, you know, just, um, hey, you know, they don't even know 
they know something's wrong, but they don't even know if it's domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like even the people in the situation sometimes don't even know um, because this is not the definition that they, you know, come to know like, oh, this person's hitting on you or what they see in movies, you know, this person punches them or whatever. Now this person's abusive and everybody when they're watching a movie, oh, I would never ever blah, 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 blah. Well, it's much more deep than that. And like um, Bethel was saying earlier, that is a part of power and control when you're minimizing and blaming, you know, not taking responsibility for your own actions. Um, a lot of these people do not take, you know, responsibility for their own actions. And that's part of the, manip- there's a manipulation um, when it comes to power and control. So they, they put on, you know, well, I hit you or I did this because maybe you have a smart mouth. I don't know. But, um, you know, those are some of the reasons why, you know, power and control, going back to that power and control is always present. Um, and, and then isolation, you know, that isolation piece is very important. You know, a lot of times family members or friends of yours or something like that might say to a, might say to you, oh, we don't like this person. You know, that family members might start bashing this person because maybe they are, you know, what they say they are. Maybe this person is a dirtbag, whatever that, you know, they say about them it might be true but then you know most of the times you go back to your partner or that person goes back to their partner and they say hey you know this person said so and so and so and most of the time they for they are mostly forgiving of their partners um, for one reason or another and most of the times because they love this person or maybe they're afraid or maybe they love and are afraid of them i don't know um but they forgive their partner and this partner's now i uses that that information against you know that family member they're saying well this person doesn't like us you know they just hating on us they don't they don't want to see us together blah 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 because and then maybe they might start rattling off some stuff about that person that you know was saying some stuff maybe that person was an alcoholic or maybe that person has problems of their own but you know family members or friends sometimes can see you know that problem or that person is not actually a good person but then that you know, with that information, they might use that to isolate you, or, you know, you might go to a different, um, you might not be able to go to those events anymore with that, those family members, or maybe you move to a different state. So, you know, isolation is a huge factor when it comes to, and then that dwindles your resources. So um, domestic violence, again, it's not the, it's not just the hitting, it's not just the slapping, whatever. Um, there's a lot more components to it. And power control is really, is always present in every domestic violence situation. And adding add, adding on to that, um, like a lot of the reasons why people stay in abusive relationships or like go back to their abusive partner, um, in addition to like, like I think this is also uh, connected to like isolation, especially um, they'll have like feelings of guilt. Um, they'll feel lonely, obviously there's that fear of like nobody wanting them after the relationship. Like if they leave their abuser, um, they feel sorry for their abuser. Um, There's also like social reasons, like they don't wanna create any drama or like cause anyone pain or they're like so comfortable in the position that they're in and they don't know that things could be better. So then they stay. And then also I wanted to point out, like, just because somebody leaves an abuser, like, doesn't mean things are going to be all fine and good after that. Like, um, there's still, like, 
can be that psychological abuse of like taunting and whatnot or like harassment. Um, and another thing is like abusers talking about their victim to other people. Like if you have mutual friends, um, people that you share community with, that can also be in a, like another form of um, not only harassment, but like manipulation. Like you're, instead of directly communicating with the victim and abusing them in that way, you're going out of your way to like create an environment where the victim does not feel safe. Um, and so when somebody is experiencing IPV, it's really important to take that into account, to make sure that you're there for them, to make sure that you understand the potential of that abuser, just because again, like that person has left their abuser doesn't mean that they're hundred percent safe, um, unfortunately. Yeah, and piggybacking off that right there um, is most of the times leaving is the most dangerous situation. And, and most of the times going back to that isolation, now, since they've been isolated from friends, family, resources, or whoever, now it's harder to reach out to anybody because nobody's going to pay because um, in most domestic violence relationships, it takes about seven times so to leave that relationship, seven attempts, and that's just the average. Um, so, you know, and, and, you know, if they're trying to talk to a family member or whatever, you maybe you've dwindled your resources because you've said you're going to leave this person seven times. And now this family member, friend, whoever is like, you know what, I'm not going to help you no more because you said this seven times before. Um, so it's very important to know that, you know, that isolation piece, you know, being knowing that, you know, it, it's really hard to get out of those relationships. And, and again, it's always the most dangerous part is leaving. Um, and sometimes they even use the courts against you um, using abusive litigation, you know, um, especially if there's children involved. And when it comes to, uh, I guess, a husband and a wife and, um, and, or a boyfriend and girlfriend, oftentimes, I'm not saying this is the case every time, but oftentimes, um, or a majority of times, the male usually has is the breadwinner because of the isolation. They probably didn't let their, you know, spouse or girlfriend or whatever to work. And now they have even less resources because now they've been cut off from their money. So there's, there's, there, I mean, there's so many different factors why somebody wouldn't, you know, exactly want to leave because they might not have the money. They might ha not have all the comfortability that they've had besides, you know, the person, the, the, I mean, some of these, you know, abusers are very resourceful and, and, you know, they know that they add value in some ways to this person's life. So, you know, they use that as manipulation or, you know, saying, oh, since I have the money, I'm going to make sure the kids, you never get to see the kids. So that, you know, another form of manipulation of why somebody wouldn't, you know, wouldn't want to leave right away, you know, because they can't see a way out. They don't see better. I would just like to plug the movie made on Netflix. We had a episode about the movie a couple months ago, and I think visually seeing all of those, like all of that in play in front of me really helped me. Like, of course I had a basic understanding, but seeing it acted out was definitely, it was, I don't know, it just like, offered a perspective that just made things a lot more clear for me. So um, made on Netflix, 100% would recommend watching, but also a lot of trigger warnings too. Um, 
I want to throw something in here. We talk, we, I think we look at adults, too, but um, teen dating violence is a big part of IPV also. And there are, like David said, so many components that just don't come up until they come up, right? But um, uh, the study uh, uh, from CDC says that um, youth from groups that have been marginalized, such as sexual and gender minority youth, are at greater risk of experiencing sexual and physical dating violence. So I just wanted to, uh, you know, bring that point up that youth are at risk also and um, at uh, a greater risk because it goes on to say about, uh, about uh, there are millions of youth that experience uh, teen dating violence. So that's really um, something to, to um, take a look at and, and weigh in on also. Yeah, the specific number that I saw on the CDC website was 11 million people reported experiencing contact, sexual violence, physical violence, or stalking Mm -hmm. by an intimate partner in their lifetime before the age of 18. So, you you know, I'm I'm looking at that right now, Bethel, and it says about 11 million women and 5 million men. I miss that. I miss that. Yeah. That is crazy. So when I hear that high of a statistic, it's like, like you said, I'm going back to what you said, the education. Why aren't we educating with that high of a statistic? Why, why don't, why doesn't society, why doesn't the educational system, the collegiate system, why don't they feel they need to educate with statistics that high? And like this doesn't even include like forms of violence coming from like somebody who's not a minor against a minor too. So I can't, I can't even imagine like what that number looks like. Um, But yeah, I definitely agree. Like this is obviously a huge issue, like not only in the country, but globally, obviously. Um, And it says here, like in the U.S., one in five homicide victims are killed by an intimate partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the cost of IPV over a victim's lifetime averages to be around $103,767 103, for women and 23414 for men. So, and that adds up to like billions. Um and like, I don't know, it's like, there are so many things I feel like politicians and people in power are focusing on that are not priorities, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't think like, for example, like all politicians have certain things that they push for when running for their positions, right? Mm-hmm. But like, when was the last time you heard somebody that was running for a, like a seat or something? One of the things that they really wanted to address was domestic violence, right? Sex like, trafficking, exactly. 
Right. Yeah, it's got to become popular. Um, that's the base of it. <laughs> and, and also maybe it, money has to be attached to it. So <laughs> I mean, that, yes, that's ultimately yeah. what the truth is. But It is. Um, um, so just want to throw out some um, preventative measures that I saw. So, so there are some uh, preventive measures and um, I'm so in agreement uh, with them, like teach safe and healthy relationship skills and um, engage influential adults and peers, disrupt the de developmental pathways toward partner violence, create protective environments, strengthen economic supports for families and support survivors to increase safety and lessen harms. And those seem so simple. Those preventative measures seem so simple, but um, I have to agree with you, David, that was so profound, really, unless they're the one that stood out, unless there's money attached to it, they're not interested in it, but there's lives attached to this. There are um, the well-being of children, women, so, uh, men, but there's no interest. And our society is about um, the economical, financial stands and period. If they don't gain anything from it, it's not important. Yeah, and sometimes I think that is also human nature. So, I mean, I guess there's a, you know, there could be a fine, a better balance to it. Um, but one more time, when it comes to the children uh, and knowing like teen violence and stuff like that, um, for most of these people, this is a pattern. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's a pattern for someone to be a victim. You know, it's just certain traits that, you know, attracts, you know, the abusers to these people, to some of them. And it ultimately is a lack of education. Um, and, you know, most of these people, this is like who they are or like who they become because of whatever circumstantial, um, you know, events happened earlier on in their life. And, and this is their mm -hmm. way to survive. And some people that are victims don't know no better. So, you know, it, it's, you know, that education piece, you know, really knowing like people knowing, you know, domestic violence is not just somebody getting slapped or getting hit over the head, but it's that really that power and control and, and understanding, knowing the signs um, so that if you are in one or, you know, you can pick up on it way faster and um, hopefully get out of that relationship sooner, um, sooner rather than later, um, you know, because you can't, you know, know everybody what everybody's going to do in a relationship or who, you know, somebody is until, you know, start getting into that relationship. Mm -hmm. But, you know, making sure you have boundaries set in, in your own mind that, you know, this is as far as I'm going to take something. And, and you know, and, and since you know the signs, now you can use that and be like, okay, I've seen this sign. Let me get out. Let's let's not have a child with this person. Let's not, you mm -hmm. know, have sex with this person. Let's not, you know, even go that far in the person. So, you know, knowing the signs and, you know, really checking out, you know, who is this person that I'm, you know, going to date? Or do I have a past of dating somebody like this? 
you know, what are the signs? Like what keeps on attracting me? What, why am I attracted to some people this way? So, you know, really getting yourself educated on it, speaking to an advocate at our sister's house, you know, being educating yourself or educating yourself on, you know, maybe you're not in a domestic violence situation, but you know, a friend or family member that might be in there and how you can be helpful, how you can be supportive um, and how you don't get burnt out in, in those situations. So you can always continue to give, you know, maybe it's not, uh, maybe you can't give the person a car ride every time, you know, they say they want to end the relationship. Maybe you can give them a bus pass and, and say seven years from now, seven times that they said they're going to get out of the relationship. You can continue to give that. So, you know, you definitely want to be a supporter of these people. You do not want to isolate your friends or family members that are going through these situations, but you got to figure out a way to self-care for yourself as you know an advocate for this family friend or family member but you also got to give you know find something that you can can give consistently knowing that you are still there that you are still their support and that they are not going to be isolated those are great words to end with thank you david great reminders um definitely will be thinking about that too for the rest of my day i know um well, thank you again, everybody, for tuning in to Confabulation this week. Uh, this is the end of our episode of our time together today. And um, just once more, we are all with our sister's house, a domestic violence organization that provides advocacy and education for victims and survivors of domestic violence. And if you or anyone you know is experiencing domestic violence, you can call us at 253 383-4275 or visit our website at oursistershouse.com. Thank you everybody for listening and you'll hear us again next week.